Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 39th episode of Punch Card Investing. Can you believe it's been that long? I say this every week, but it's it's pretty crazy. Every week it goes by. We had another to our to our to our account. We're almost at 40 <clears throat> weeks of this. It's crazy. Not quite at a year yet, but we'll be there pretty soon. But man, this week has felt like a year with the amount of stock earnings news we've seen that have moved some really big players up up or down. Um, hundreds of billions of dollars in some cases in market cap terms, just crazy movement in the market now and what's already been a volatile month. Um, so we'll definitely be hitting some of those crazy earnings moves. Um, not always, it seems largely decoupled from what the earnings actually were showing in some cases, but I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll get to it. It's been, it's been crazy to say the least. Um, so we'll be, we'll be going through some of the highlights, but before we do that, let's, uh, let's welcome Two um, special guests here, Jason and CJ, filling in for our 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 um, our friends down under who are are not in for this episode. Um, Frank and Tom are out, but CJ and Jason are in. Jason, a regular. CJ, you, it's been a while since you've been on, um, so th- thanks for stepping in. Um, and this this should be a lot of fun. We got four Americans this time around. Karan, our, our lone non-American. <laughs> so so that, that this will be interesting. Um, uh yeah and before i forget please be sure to smash that like button subscribe all that good stuff um i don't even know where to start guys where, where do we start do we want to just pick a stock and go with it because it seems like you could just throw a st- throw um throw a dart at a dartboard you land on a stock that's moved 50 to 100 billion dollars in market cap in the last two days um so where should we start i think let's start with the super investor sip jason oh yeah good call jason okay, sure yeah yeah i think it's especially it's especially needed this week for those of you who don't know what this is. This is the super investor sip. If you do it, everyone who's done it has become a super investor and it's made me a better investor than everyone who's done it. So we invite you to join us. So grab your favorite drink. Mine is coffee. Tonight I have a Power Powerade zero sugar, zero calories because I'm trying to cut down and uh, grab your favorite drinks. And let's remember the three things that Ben Graham taught us. Number one, a stock is not just a piece of paper or a news story or a meme or a tweet or whatever. It's an actual ownership of a real business. Number two, Mr. Market is there to serve us like he has been this week. And number three, always invest with a margin of safety. A lot of people forgot about that one and that is becoming evident now. So screw them and take your super investor sip. Hurrah. Oh, wonderful. Hmm. Oh, and, and Jason, I was, I was mentioning, you were mentioning cutting down. I noticed you cut off quite a bit of that beard and we're left yeah. with this beautiful mustache. So that, that is fantastic. Yeah. Take the inverse Thank I feel like I, I feel like I got two years back. Yeah. All we need is Frank now to do it too. <laughs> Frank's mustache should be otherworldly. <laughs> probably stretch okay. out to, to Jack, b- b- before we get into uh, individual stocks, can I just make a comment on the overall market? I've had more fun. Uh, being a stock market investor this past week than I have in years. Um, there's something lackadaisical and boring about the stock market just going up 13.5% every single year and everybody winning and profits not mattering and all that kind of stuff. So it's been refreshing and really, really fun uh, to see the market change on a lot of companies. And uh, I feel like this is what it's all about. And uh, I love, I love, love, love the volatility. So I don't know if you guys have been enjoying the week as well. Jason, are you just glad that everyone else is feeling the pain that you did with Baba? <laughs> like, you know, everyone else is catching up to that. With it, with Alibaba? 
Yeah, like the one year that we've been losing. <laughs> well, <laughs> everyone's losing. I mean, it doesn't feel the same, honestly, because with Alibaba, I'm out of it now. I might get back in. It doesn't feel like a loss. It feels like the market is providing an opportunity. And I have very, very, very little doubt, almost no doubt, that unless the the regulators do something to shareholders and all that kind of stuff, I, I maybe say those odds are 10%. Unless that happens, I think Alibaba is going to be worth a whole lot more uh, down the road in a few years. And some of the companies that have taken some L's this week doesn't feel like that. It feels like a lot of people are waking up to reality. So it's felt like a, a totally different thing. Um, but that said, I'm glad it hasn't been uh, the names in my portfolio. That makes it a whole lot easier to digest. Well, not everything. Uh, you did say it was volatility. It sounds as though everything's going down because, I mean, we saw some big moves up this week too. I mean, <laughs> Snapchat yeah. today is up like 60% or something ludicrous. Um, is it still at 60%? I know I know it dropped down well, to like yeah, it was, 40. It, 59% on the day, but you know what? I had seen that. Um, guess what it is over the last 12 months? Down for 39%. Mm-hmm. So they're not <laughs> out of the woods yet either. They're pulling some serious Gs right there. <laughs> yeah. Huge. Crazy. Um, or you guys yeah, this? Are you scared? Or are you worried about your holdings? Yeah. I'm not scared because it, I, I think all of us are on the same page and that we, we're investing for the long term. So, And I think a lot of us are in buy mode. We're not, we're not trying to re- retire in the next two years or something like that. Um, yeah. So we're looking to add to our portfolios more than subtract. So I, I think... I think whenever a stock can come down from where you think its intrinsic value is, it's going to be a good thing as long as you're in in buy now mode. Um, if not, I don't think it's any of us here. Then, then yeah, it's probably not too fun. But otherwise, yeah, um, if stock goes down in the short term, you, it's usually a decent thing for for someone looking to add. Um, as long as you're not over leveraged, of course. <laughs> yeah, you know, I wonder I just, if Warren is also in buy mode still. He's got a huge cash pile and. Still no moves from Bokshathwe. That we know about. That we know about. That we know about. Yeah. Yeah, Frank had thinking. some uh Frank had some strong words for you here, Jason. You want to pop that up here, Jack, real quick? Oh my goodness. Yeah, I was just reading that. I thought it was yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's Frank is scary. Uh, I don't know what this is. Frank's a little prideful, I guess. I um, want to have let that super you he, are he all doesn't sheep. like that that we invited <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because we invited Jason to. Yeah, Frank, to, I'm, not to take over, I'm not trying to take. I'm not trying to take over the show. I'm not trying to <laughs> he, do my sip on the our, show. I get invited. I'm here. You're not. I he know you're guest. welcome to come on your own show every week, but you don't seem to be here that often. Maybe busy <laughs> oh. writing writing newsletters or something, not contributing to the group here. Yeah, Frank's but, uh, an keep taking now. shots at the guy with the microphone. Okay, it's a lot easier <laughs> to come at you when you got the microphone than uh, than when you're just typing away on the keyboard. I know that from experience. So, hey Frank, how's it going? <laughs> I, I have no, I have no comment on that. No. So, so Jack, you know, I think there's a lot of beef, so it's the time, you know, for smoking meats. That's why we've got the background. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know if we can see our, if you all can see our background. But, can you uh, pull it out of the way, Jack? Can you pull uh, us out? Or no? I don't know if it'll work well. Here, let's try. Maybe if I do. No, that won't do it. Oh, wait, it's not. Uh, oh, yeah. All you got to do is preview. minimize that. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you can't see him. <laughs> oh, no, Grun, you're in the way. <laughs> you all know what's going on. Now. How do I disappear? <laughs> <laughs> okay. it's, I feel uh, like I'm protecting everyone from something worse. <laughs> it's, a, it's a particular CEO uh, with a particular amount of 
sunscreen on his face <laughs> and uh it's a famous picture if, if anything lags you'll be able to see him later but uh why don't we just why don't we get into some facebook news because they, they they seem meta, to be Jack, one of the main meta. dominoes Ooh, we, here we i don't, don't know who started this anymore say, say say again uh brad we don't call it facebook anymore oh, yeah excuse me meta platforms um <laughs> let's uh they took a nice tumble the other day Oof. Uh, well, to the year-to-date view, so it's, it looks more extreme. Uh, but they lost something like two hundred twenty-ish billion dollars in market cap in in one trading session, which is just crazy yep. uh, for for a company that was, I think, they were at about nine hundred nine hundred million or so before that happened. Uh, so right now, yeah, right now trading at six hundred forty-five uh, billion. Am I saying millions? Billion dollars uh, yep. uh, in market cap. Um, it sounded so, like that was mostly on weak guidance. Am I am yeah. I getting that right? Yeah, and they and they uh, their user they they actually lost a slight amount of users. Revenues were still up. Um, so I find it funny when people say, "Oh, they had a historically bad quarter." It's like, no, they're they're, they're still having a historically great quarter. It's just the <laughs> the future is not as as great as some people might have thought. That seems to be the case. Um, they spent something like $10 billion over the last year on, on the metaverse stuff, which they said they were going to be doing. Um, so they did that. Uh, and I guess because it's not turning profits now, it's if it ever does, um, people are upset about that. Um, who, it, it, it's funny trying to figure out like why the market is doing something because sometimes it just doesn't make sense. This is a huge move down. So yeah, sure, maybe one or two or three of those factors add up to some of it. But a lot of it just seems like fear in general. But May I, I don't know. It's it's hard to put a put a finger on what exactly is going on with moves this huge. Yeah, I think it was one of their biggest cash flow quarters. Uh, yeah, in a while. Um, let me pull up uh, the quarterly view. Let's see what we got here. One of the interesting things that Facebook did this most recent quarter that isn't being talked about too much is uh, they bought back a lot of shares. Uh, yeah, so revenues def- somewhere in above three hundred dollars yeah. per share. Revenues over um, 34 billion in the last quarter, compared to the previous year. It's five billion dollars higher. Um, cash flow statement. Go to cash from operations minus capex. And yeah, <laughs> every, everything's still up except for that user count, which is kind of like one of those top line metrics that people like to pay attention to. And it's important. Don't get me wrong. Um, How much did the it, user count drop? Uh, barely anything at all they're at uh what was it like 2.9 2.9 billion users or something i think it was uh in the united in the north america their most valuable market i think it went down from like 186 million to 185 million that's what it was yeah Yeah. but so minute in the grand scheme of things when they got like 3 billion users uh, between all the platforms or or something like that i might be getting the numbers slightly off we're talking about huge numbers here uh, do they do they parse that out between facebook and and instagram or is it just no they all mashed together i read this week they don't give a lot of information about their subsidiaries um at all okay they do a family count which includes all of instagram and everything but i'm not sure if they separate it out by per business yeah. So you you guys don't sound as bearish as the market is if I'm hearing you right. Is that correct? I, I'm I wouldn't. I'm definitely not bearish on, on Facebook. It, it doesn't mean I'm going to be taking a big swing at these prices, but it's way closer than, than where it was just just a day ago or a couple of days ago um, for me. Is anyone um, invested in Facebook? 
I, I have, have a, a small small position. Same here. I, I, no, I've I uh, ed- actually added a little bit yesterday to make it more of a feeler position. Um, it's only a couple percent of the portfolio. Um, so uh, I definitely am looking to add to it, but not quite at these prices. But I'm much more interested now than I was uh, a few days ago. I, I will note as well in Data Roma, uh, they track you know the, the most popular super investors. Uh, the top three companies. Uh, that are owned by all those super investors are Facebook, Google, and Berkshire. So, you know, lots of great investors have piled into Facebook lately. So it's. Uh, I feel like most of the large managers are essentially closet indexers. Right. Yeah. So, in which you case, see it in the index, right. you see it in. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think that's a guide for anything. Yeah. yeah is it, is it just me or, or does Facebook get an unfairly bad rap compared to some of the other big data companies. For example, Google relies uh, totally on, on data and, and essentially mining personal information and then using that for, to, for profitable ads or for making ads more effective. Um, Facebook follows a similar model, yet it seems like Facebook gets a much harder time uh, from like a media sentiment sense uh, when it comes to their business model. I don't know if that's, uh, is that a bad take? You but know, that's kind of the feeling. The, I, I think it's still the Cambridge Analytica stuff, the whole election thing that's mm-hmm, still sure. with Facebook, you know, and that's yeah. going to be really hard to shake, is, yeah. my, is my opinion. Yeah, they're not exactly the same, but uh, overall, it seems like what people really are concerned about are, is privacy. And yes, you could talk about steering and that sort of stuff, but um, it seems like Google always gets away scot-free, even though <laughs> the business is quite similar. Yeah, I've got a little bit of a different take. I'm, uh, I'm I don't mm-hmm. short stocks. I don't, um, and and I, I I'm not saying Facebook's not going to be valuable in five or ten years, uh, but I'm not uh, confident on their business model. Um, I'm feeling very not good about their competitive dynamics. And this week, uh, I had an extreme moment of clarity on uh, the importance of. Uh, circle of competence and uh, and moats. I know Facebook. I know the online advertising world. Um, that's that's my business, and I know it better than it, pretty much everyone on TV talking about because I'm in it every day. And uh, there's a list of things, but um, I it did not surprise me what happened to Facebook. And uh, as as far as their competitive dynamic and their moat, young people are not on Facebook. They're just not on Facebook, Instagram. They're on there, but that's, that is aging out as well. And TikTok and Snapchat are overtaking that younger generation. Facebook isn't there. And they have this thing called reels. Doesn't seem to be picking up like the, like these uh, competitors are. And it's a zero sum game. There's only so many hours in a day. If attention's going to TikTok to Snapchat, they're going to lose. And so you have that problem. You have the at Apple iOS privacy change where now you have to opt in to tracking. I'm telling you, I've run Facebook ads in the past. I've run them now. They're, they're not as good at all compared to where, what they used to be. I've seen that. I saw it day to day and now it's kind of coming out to the rest of the world, but all these super investors or so-called super investors that just buy Facebook uh, over the last two years, I've really kind of had a lesson in circle of competence over the past uh week because the things I see them say, the things I see people say on TV, it's not 
as clear at all, like compared to someone who's in it every day. And so I just kind of got that experience. And uh, I do think they're in uh, they're in big trouble uh, right you now say, is my take. When you say things are worse, what do you mean? Like things are like ads are more expensive to run as effectively or, or just don't work? Like, could you elaborate? Don't, don't work, don't work as well. And they're, they're not as profitable. So back in the day, I've, I would be able to, and that's just anecdotal, but um, mm-hmm. I'd be able to set up different targeting where I could, pinpoint kind of laser pinpoint people and get in front of the exact right people. It seems like you're less able to do that these days because they're less able to get people's information and they're talking yeah. about, well, they have, they're going to have workarounds for it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we'll see, but it just showed the moat was not nearly as strong as people thought because all it took was one change from Tim cook and he kind of said, "Look who's boss," and um, and he drastically impacted uh, their business. And so you've got that going on. You've got the uh, the not as profitable thing going on because they're taking a bunch of money and putting it into Meta. Maybe that works, and they got a whole new business and a whole new growth story. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, and then you've got Snapchat and TikTok taking uh, young people's eyeballs away. So, and then you have the regulatory threat on top of that. Um, so I'm, I, I would not feel good if I was holding their stock today. I want to feel comfortable, um, Mm. being able to lay out what the next 10 years is going to look like. My, my question to some of like, some of those concerns are clearly valid. Um, my question would be if Facebook's big, uh, barrier, potential barrier ahead is things like privacy regulations, Apple or whatever providers, um, putting up barriers to collecting data, if yep. that affects Facebook, my guess is it would also affect anyone else trying to advertise. And unlike maybe a new player, Facebook already does have quite a bit of data to go off of. Um, so I think what I'm really getting at is if all players are hurt by this, Facebook is still in a relatively good position relative to everyone else, if that makes sense. Um, not, I would say not all players are hurt by it. Um, you've got Amazon. Mm-hmm. People are giving them their information. They're typing sure. in keywords on Amazon. That's effective advertising for because it's uh, internal advertisers. Right? It's internal, and they they get the information. Customers willingly give it up when they type in that search bar. Amazon gives it to their advertisers. Their their advertising revenue was up thirty percent. Google yeah. people willingly give the information. Apple. A lot of people think they're putting all these privacy things in place, so then they can implement more uh, advertising throughout this ecosystem of, of uh, billion users. So um, I don't know. I just, uh, I don't see, I don't like their competitive position. Now that said, I saw Jim Cramer on TV the other day when this happened and he was saying, yeah, I hear everything you're saying. People talking like this, but it's Mark Zuckerberg and Mark Zuckerberg woke up today. This is the way he was talking. And he was talking about Mark, Mark Zuckerberg and Jim Cramer was like, Mark Zuckerberg woke up today and he will do whatever it takes to win. And so he's got confidence in that. Um, I can see that argument, but um, I, I don't have good confidence if I can gauge that or not. It sounds a little bit more of a, a bet, a gamble, as, a, as opposed to like the sure thing. Now, what, where, where, does the, where does like the metaverse and all that stuff fit into this? Is, is that just, do you write that off completely? I think a lot of people are. Um, because you're, I think no, we're really I, focusing on the, we're rightfully focusing, I think, on the ads business, which is the, the bread and butter. Um, but what yeah. about the offshoots that might become the new big revenue stream ten years from now? So I, 
I would say as far as metaverse goes, I would say if that plays out like they think they're it's going to play out and they win that space or whatever it develops into, they could be the biggest company in the world one day. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying that can't happen. I'm saying that could happen. But one thing I've been thinking about, like with all these companies that like don't make a ton of money now, but they're going to make a ton of money in 10 years. And that's why they're selling for so high. And then they drop all of a sudden. That's not the kind of investing that I do that I think a lot of us do. That almost feels like Silicon Valley private equity startup where you're just trying to gauge the future. And I know investing in general is gauging the future, but um, I don't know. I just uh, that style of investing. I have no idea if the metaverse is going to happen or not. And if it happens, if Facebook's going to win. Um, so therefore, I don't really think about investing in them at all. If that's if that's the reason to invest in them. Sure. CJ, I'd love to hear from you since you said you, you own some Facebook and I'd imagine he, he was selling it. He was selling it while I was talking. I saw him. He was selling it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if you have a, a, a bullish counter to what Jason's um, saying. I think what Jason's saying is there's definitely merit to a lot of it. Um, I would just say, I, I would just put it this way. I was not surprised any of this happened. No, sure. Um, yeah, sure. You can't really be surprised in, uh, uh, with, with how volatile the market can be sometimes. Um, Though I think that the dollar amounts are what are, are really surprising, and how how much a company's valuation can just change in an instant, um, I think yeah. that's what's most surprising. Facebook's yeah. biggest moat in this metaverse thing is the amount of cash that it has. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, they could buy or crush any other competitor. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. which kind of done. So it. I mean, they, they did that with Instagram, and look what it's become. Um, We'll see what what they do with WhatsApp. That's already a huge platform. Yeah, CJ, what what do you think for their future? Like, what are what what makes you want to buy it and, and continue to hold? Um, well, I'm continuing to hold. I'm not I'm not necessarily buying, but I will say that I didn't buy <laughs> from uh, its its peak or anything like that. I've been holding it for quite a while. Um, yeah. I would say that there's quite quite a lot of pessimism baked into the current share price and. Maybe it is true that Facebook will will never be on top, and maybe they'll be overtaken by TikTok. But I think that um, even with very conservative, reasonable growth assumptions for the business, I think it's uh, more than uh, let's let's say fairly priced. Uh, be, at least compared to a lot of te- high flying tech companies, with, yeah, but without in, nearly the same cash flow. Yeah, I mean, yes, in the past ten years, it's been an incredible business, and you're right; um, they're probably going to be burning a lot of cash trying to get this metaverse thing going. Um, uh, that that might work. And yeah, as you said, if if they do secure this metaverse, which, you know, I'm not necessarily sure that um, there's going to be one metaverse or it's going to be controlled by one company. It's sort of a nebulous uh, buzzword, obviously, because <laughs> it doesn't exist. <laughs> um, I, yeah, it, you kind of, I don't even know if you need to have a take on the metaverse other than um, they're going to continue to generate cash from their ads business at a reasonable enough rate where they can support any burn that might come from that. And even if the metaverse doesn't work out, they still have Oculus, which is uh, is is growing growing a lot. Has That's anyone used Oculus? Product. Yeah. What's it like? It's, it just seems... Well, I got sick. <laughs> no, I haven't got sick. Sell it, CJ, old, sell it. It was the old Oculus, but I so I haven't used the new one. But it was, I don't know. I mean, uh, having a screen like up right in front of your eyes doesn't seem ideal. Yeah. 
<laughs> maybe yeah. to Mark. I don't know. Maybe to Mark, it's it's fantastic. <laughs> I, I know a few people who play ping pong on Oculus, and they say they love it. So ping pong for what that's worth. Have they tried it in real life? <laughs> <laughs> Try ping pong in real life. Well, it's you know from the pandemic, they can't get together, so it's a way to like you know play with your family and friends from a distance. I don't hey, like the Wii. Sorry, the Wii. Uh, Wii sucks. Anyway, <laughs> you guys, we got a super chat that we. Totally yeah, I, I meant I, I had that. Uh, I had okay. That Hopefully, okay. he's still here. It's it's from our our, our man Frank, our beloved he, Frank. He, he's he's maybe this is an apology of some sort. Uh, <laughs> Somehow, <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> Wait, we we got two Australian dollars. I I, I, mistake, I mistakenly called them dollars once when Jason was on the show, uh, and and he was upset by that. But it's an Australian dollar, not a dollar. <laughs> um, so he. Uh, he says um, Tencent and Facebook are similar in price value. Which is better? Um, like, which is the better deal or which is the better company? Because uh, it's definitely apples to oranges if we're talking about um, company because Tencent just does so much. Anyone want to take a stab at that one? I feel like both have a possibility of not existing equally in a way. What do you mean? Hmm. For different I mean, reasons, I'm guessing. Yeah, for different reasons, but they, it's possible they both won't exist in, I wouldn't say 10 years, but more than that, like in 20 years or so. Yeah. You, you got to elaborate for me, Karan. Like, like... Okay, so I, for Tencent, I think it's pretty obvious. Like we're seeing them spin off stakes. Maybe they might have to spin off something else. Like they'll unravel into know. a bunch of little sub-companies? Is I what think you're saying? So. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. And Facebook will just disappear in the metaverse. So that's <laughs> <laughs> they just burn all their money into the metaverse. I mean, couldn't you say that about pretty much any company after fifty years? There's a high chance it won't be around. Hey, we're talking fifty. I think Berkshire's going to be around. Yeah. Come on now. I think Berkshire's sure. going to be around fifty years from now. Yeah. Sure, that's true. So. Well, good. I see. Frank well, we didn't and, answer and the Jason, question. Frank and Jason <laughs> made up in the chat. Uh, that's good to see. Um, uh, any, anyone want to take a stab? You haven't seen it lately, Brad. Uh, I'll t- I'll take it, Jack. I I don't feel comfortable uh, going to bed for ten years uh, as a Facebook shareholder. Um, I see scenarios where they don't exist in ten years. Um, sure. Because of because of these competitors, I don't I don't see that. Um, I I see the possibility with uh, Tencent, like I had said earlier, um, with the regulatory issues, maybe a ten percent chance of uh, big problems there. Uh, but uh, I feel a lot more confident that if I couldn't sell for ten years, um, that things would work out pretty good for um, Tencent. Whereas Facebook, I don't think their mode is that strong to me. I could literally see people not using their products in it ten years from now. It's part of a, that a scenario. A scenario. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm just saying it's a yeah scenario. Right, is is uh is part of the the relative value for Tencent because of their multiple like pretty distinct businesses within it that that all could stand up on on their own. Um, is that a big part of it, or is it really just more negative towards Facebook, less positive to, towards Tencent in in this little comparison here? It's both. It's very negative on having to think about holding Facebook for ten years and then not being able to sell for ten years, and then with Tencent they've got. Uh, a user base built in uh, that user base, as I understand it, I don't think it's shrinking. 
uh, like we right. were talking about with Facebook. True. And uh, yeah, they do have competition for eyeballs, but um, I more equate Tencent to the Apple iOS in terms of like, it se- almost seems like the phones over there, iPhones and other phones, they let Tencent almost act as a, um, or WeChat almost act as a operating system. And so they do have competition for eyeballs, but not no like direct uh, competition like like Facebook has and ferocious competition. I mean, imagine um, I mean, you hear the anecdotes from people with I've got young children, but like people with like preteens and stuff like that. They don't say anything about Instagram or uh, Facebook. They, they talk about how their kids are on um, on uh, primarily TikTok. How do you feel about this, Jason, that uh, that the people with disposable income are the ones that are still on Instagram and Facebook platforms and stuff. So monetizing people that will actually, you know, click through ads and stuff like that. Do you have any uh, experience with that? Or Well, I know it's just, it's hard to get enthused about their ads when I've seen direct search ads, um, both on Amazon and, and Google. So there's that issue. And then the other issue is this is the problem. The people with the disposable income, me and Brad, we're on Facebook checking in with our neighbors, you know, talking about uh, politics and the weather and all that kind of stuff, ranting and raving. Ten years from now, we're in the senior home, you know, and I speak for both of us. We're not online anymore. <laughs> wow. And so the sorry, Brad, sorry. <laughs> no, you know, I'm kidding. But um, but like, yeah, like my my point is um, 10 years from now, the group that's on Instagram, that's on Facebook. 10, 20 years from now, they're going to be moved on to a different stage of life. And it's those 12-year-olds, those 13-year-olds, 17-year-olds, 22-year-olds. Those are the ones who are going to have that money flow in 15 years from now. And that's that's what I'm worried about. It's such a direct um, threat. So, But maybe yeah, they'll more, figure it So out. it's more of a demographic thing in that the, the there's already not a huge moat interview, but there's also the demographic threat. And that you're not seeing a lot of the next generation hop on it. At, Time at is not going in the right direction if you don't sure. have the young young users. I, yeah. I but maybe like maybe reels will take off. Maybe we'll all be talking about reels. I feel like we haven't later. even seen if Facebook is going to continue growing. We haven't even seen the platform that they're going to use yeah. to do that. So yeah. I mean, it, and that's hard to that's hard to bet on, right? And I, that's like, what they're going for with the metaverse. I think, but like again, who knows what that's going to look like? Again, and to what you were with, saying, with I think the metaverse, what, it's like Web three, right? It's this decentralized yeah. thing. How how is Facebook really going to capitalize on something? Yeah, like that? But I think what, what Jason was. Fit. What Jason was saying earlier about it being almost like a VC venture capital type thing as like, that's what gets to their next stage. It uh-huh. makes sense. Like it, it's a good argument. Um, so anyways, we should move on from Facebook since let's uh, move on. We, we, we've talked, we've talked about them. For uh, quite hey, a while, hey, Jack, not to, yeah? not to burn your segue here, but a lot of people are moving on from Facebook. So it's interesting. <laughs> you phrase it that way. That, this is also very true. Well played. Um, yeah. Um, what, what, what's another big mover? I, let's see. We got, um, PayPal, PayPal, uh, dropped quite a bit as well. Um, let me pull up their chart real quick. PayPal was over 300, like six months ago, and now it's 126. Yeah. It was just a huge dive for PayPal. So that is that down a little more than half about uh, 50% a year ago. Yes. 50% a year ago. And then yeah. year to date, year to date, it is, uh, down a third 
mostly off the last earnings. And, and you know, Terry, still- Smith, like Terry Smith talked about PayPal recently in, in one of his his talks. Was it was it PayPal who who was thinking about acquiring Pinterest? Am I getting that right? Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. Yeah, so Terry Smith just thinks that's not a good idea. You know, it's it's outside of their their domain of expertise. And he thinks an acquisition of that nature is just going to destroy value. So that'll be interesting to watch play out. But I think that's part of why we're seeing this yeah. this dive, in addition to you know the fear of of rising interest rates and all that, which take a lot of value off companies like PayPal. I, I've, um, heard, I've heard a lot about the competition argument for PayPal, like the different payment platforms popping up. It seems like a lot of companies or bigger companies, at least, are trying to have their own payment platforms, and that might be a big threat. I know PayPal does own; they have PayPal, and then also Venmo, which is a huge asset. But right. Um, is competition a big concern? It's a good question. I'm not. I'm not a huge oh. expert in the payment processing space, but uh, yeah. Well, one one thing first, Jason. So, yeah. what Terry Smith says on this, he thinks you know the payment space has so many tailwinds right now, and that basically all of the players in that space are going to benefit um, from more and more just more and more people using uh, digital payments. So uh, that's, that's his perspective on that. Sure. Yeah. I'll just jump in there. Um, my, my take on PayPal is I, I looked at it very briefly uh, like a few months ago and I kind of got that FOMO. I hear a lot about uh, payments and obviously there's a lot of growth there and PayPal stock price had gone up a ton and there must've been, they must've been in the headlines for just, doing so well. So I, I looked at them very briefly and just instantly I was like, this is totally like, um, I'm not saying the word overvalued cause it's not real. I don't really have the skill with PayPal to, to judge it after just barely looking into it. But the valuation seemed like tremendously high, like, ups, like crazy high. So mm-hmm. I was looking at them on, um, online. It looks like they make money. They make net income. They make operating income. They make more, cash flow from operations and capital expenditure, but like, and, and obviously there's huge tailwinds with the growth there, but like, despite dropping 50%, um, they're selling at, I think like around 31 times free cash flow. Yep. And so like, I guess your, what is your yield on that? Like, um, uh, 3% or something like that. Like so, that. so yeah, so it's just like, um, so if you're getting a big growth, well, if you double it, the stock price when it was up uh, double compared to where it is now, you're getting like a free cash flow yield of like a percent or one and a half percent. So uh, it, I, I think it was still a great business, but it was just really, really priced really high for whatever reason. Yeah. And that's a big reason. I haven't, I haven't really, even with this drop, I haven't bothered to look too much at PayPal because just... Uh, they'd have to grow this this cash flow stream quite a bit, and they're already a big company. <laughs> like, so how yeah. much how much more could they really grow it based on their current price? And it's a it's an uphill battle for sure. Not that they couldn't do it, but um, I, I haven't bothered to look too closely into it. I don't know if any of you have, um, Brad. I know you were paying attention to it because of Terry Smith, I assume. Um, yeah. But uh, I'd love to get your thoughts there because another experimenting with like the crypto payment processing sort of thing, if you can really call it that. Um, maybe that's an avenue for growth. I don't know. Uh, a- anything there? 
Yeah, I, I haven't formulated enough of a, a thesis on PayPal to, to weigh in yet, but I mean, it, it's caught my attention. But otherwise, I'm definitely with Jason on it. It's a low yield and they'd have to grow it quite a bit um, from here for it to make well, sense, at least yeah, for me. Well, one thing I will say with, with Terry Smith in terms of free cash flow yield, uh, his the average free cash flow yield of, of companies in his portfolio, I think it's like 2.8% free cash flow yield. Okay, so less than what PayPal is trading at now. Is and that, pull, is that pulled down by, uh, sorry, is that pulled down by a few particular holdings or is it more? No, I, I think it's fairly consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think that's uh, that's an average. It's not like a, what would the word be? It's it's not pulled by the tails or whatever you yeah, want to call it's, it. It's, it's or, a mean. Uh, right. Um, what was I going to say? And he's done, I, I think, like 18 or 19% in his portfolio over the last decade. Obviously, the market's been hot, right? But it's still outperforming the S&P. So, you know, his whole thing is, yeah, he's paying more for these companies, but he thinks the quality outweighs, you know, what he's paying up for them. So I'll just throw that out there. Yeah, it's it's not to say that something at a two or three percent yield couldn't work. Um, I was just trying to figure out where where does PayPal go from here since what they've grown, they've grown revenues about twenty percent per year for the past few years, and they're currently at twenty five billion dollars in revenue. How much more could they keep that clip up? Um, if I mean, if they do twenty five percent or twenty to twenty five percent per year for the next decade, they'll be in fantastic shape. They'll be huge. But could they really do that? That's where I'd hesitate. Terry Smith might argue that okay, some if you really get the best, greatest companies, they can do that for a long time. They become the the trillion dollar mega companies, and then you benefit. Well, and I guess my big question around that is which markets are PayPal in now, and which markets do they have ambitions to expand into? You know. Mm-hmm. That would give us a sense for what their, you know, TAM is. Is where do you think Mastercard and Visa kind of fit in with right. this whole thing? Like, because I see like their shareholders, they should be worried with the change in the payment space, with change in everything. What do you guys think about those two? Hasn't there been a little pressure on at least Visa recently? Then they try to bump their rates up and Amazon got angry or something. Do I, do I remember seeing that correctly? Um, yeah, in the UK. That's right. And then I think Amazon folded, I think. Sure, probably. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much leverage you really have over the largest payment processor by quite a few metrics. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I've never looked into Visa and MasterCard. I don't know really i know like basically they move money around or whatever but i don't know what they do or why they have the moat they have but it does seem like there's a lot more players in that space than there was 20 years ago karam one thing uh has always stuck with me um at some point someone asked charlie munger about american express and payments and where everything is going and he said something to the effect of like there's a lot of rewards in that space there's a lot of uh things happening and i think he said something to the effect of but he doesn't know where it's going to go but it's going to be interesting and ever since he said that i've kind of never really been too enthused to look into the space because 
it does seem a little bit uh, unpredictable and uh, I don't really know the market or know how you pick winners in that space. I will say one thing for cloning though, um, Berkshire Hathaway bought, uh, I think Visa and, and also MasterCard when they IPO, IPO'd both. And they've done, I think, well, whenever they became uh, public, um, I don't think, I don't think they were public companies like a long time ago, but, uh, they bought at least MasterCard and like it was a five or six or more bagger. Um, and so that's just a, a little credit there to cloning. If, if someone would have caught that would have been a tremendous buy. I think guy was also investing in MasterCard, right? Yeah. Guy has American express, which is even bigger than his MasterCard holding. Hmm. But no visa. I thought he owned visa as well, but. Yeah, so when I do like Visa stock, it only goes back to like 2008, and then MasterCard stock goes back to 2006. Mm, that MasterCard, I think an 84 bagger. Yeah. What else? What else are you guys noticing that's I'm, been uh, taking a dive? I, I'm looking at uh, actually Snapchat from earlier that okay. they have not taken a dive. They took a. Um, a dive a rocket and then a ship. Pop, right? <laughs> yeah, down, like, yeah, yeah, a roller coaster, more like it. Yeah, um, but today, oh. a rocket ship. Um, but Do any of I'm, you use Snapchat? Uh, very nope. sparingly. I, d- I did I a lot more like in high it. school. Um, okay. When I was in high school, it was like just taking off. Um, and I had, I had thought it kind of died. But then I then I see like this, the number of daily active users. Um, wow. And it just it keeps marching up. Uh, up to 300 million in, as of Q3 2021, um, and they and they finally had some cash flow over the last year um, after losing a lot of money over over the past few. So um, they're positive for the first time last year. Yeah, about we'll call it two two thirty million in uh, free cash flow, and that's on a 63 billion dollar market cap now. Um, so they got some growth to get to. Um, but I, I, I'm just surprised to see them them more than hanging around. They're they're, they're continuing to to grow users. I don't know how profitable they could possibly get because I think what we were talking about earlier, Jason, with kind of like the or, or CJ, you were bringing up with um like who who has the money? You know, when you, you can only advertise so much to children and have it be super pop uh uh, uh profitable. Profitable. Um, is this the right demographic? Is the Snapchat demographic correct? Um. Well, is it children? I mean, it's yeah, it like not, 20, 20. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't mean to say say like 10-year-olds, um, but like it's a younger demographic, which if you go by the stats, will probably have less money than an older demographic. So um, I don't know if that's going to hurt them. But if to Jason's thesis about the, the demographic growing older and then they have the money, um, you could easily make some sort of argument that's going to continue to grow. Um, but still, there, there's some lofty growth assumptions uh um, caked into here at this valuation. Yeah. <laughs> but 60% a day. <laughs> My just, question I, might seem... Sorry. Go for it. I had a, just a quick question. It might seem like a dumb one or maybe an obvious one, but does anybody think what's happening with the companies that we've discussed is uh, the sign of an efficient market or does this seem normal or... <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, Snapchat doing this yo-yo because they ha- had positive earnings for the first time ever and they're up 56%. I mean. I, does that, is that a signal of efficiency? doing the show if like markets were efficient. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it's, my it's part. part of, I just, yeah. It's part of a broader thing, I guess. Just the, the violence that share prices do. <laughs> like what? even, you know, stable companies will have a huge delta between their 52-week 52, 52 high and low, um, usually something like 50% in a ton of cases. Even the, the big blue chip companies that won't move anytime soon, they even they'll have pretty big spreads between their highs and lows every year. And is the company really changing that much in valuation during it, during the course of the year? No, but but that's what happens. <laughs> uh, it's just crazy how, how fast things can move, even without any sort of fundamentals. Yeah, I'm sure that Snapchat could have had plenty of extra expenses to, uh, you know, to spend and, and keep their earnings negative or their free cash flow negative. Um, and then, you know, Snapchat would be ripe for buybacks and, and or, guidance for management. Yeah. And, and guidance and, plays such a big role there. Yeah. You know, as long as you say that the company's doing great things in the next year, okay, sure. We'll, we'll take your word for it. And if you say, oh, it might not be as great, then people freak out. Um, so just yeah. very emotional. And unless you consider emotions efficient, <laughs> I think that would answer the question. Just seems a little bit more wild than, than I've been used to from, you know, the past three years, four years. I mean, yeah. I, this is quite volatile as Jason was well, saying. It, 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 is makes, fun. <laughs> it makes sense to me, CJ, um, in the, in the sense of interest rates are now moving up. Um, it just seems like whenever Maybe. they do, th- Maybe they oh, say the, they're moving up. They haven't oh, the, yet. I, <laughs> I, I well, I think I think they're going to move up, um, but it seems like that that jolts the market. That gives people mm-hmm. options to do things with their money, and um, I don't know. It, it just seems like it's a little bit of a wake up call for a lot of market participants, and they're kind of looking at what they're holding. And it what what is kind of weird is that all of a sudden, whether it's like investors or the business press or something, there seems to be something in the zeitgeist of like. You know, like show me the money. Like all of a sudden, investors became a little bit more or a lot more focused on profits today and and real earnings. Um, and it it is weird how that seems to happen uh, overnight because d- didn't we all know interest rates were going to go up like eventually at some point? Um, but then it happens and everybody acts differently. Well, I mean, even Kathy Wood is now a deep value investor, and she said so herself. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you guys hear going in deflation? Yeah, yeah Quran like that one. Did you guys hear about the short uh for that's based on her investments? There's another ETF or whatever they are. Oh, yeah, short um, that, that is like it's taking the, the opposite. Yeah. Just uh, just as proof, this was back at the end of December. <laughs> Deep value now. All right, that's enough, Kathy Wood. Uh someone in the comments mentioned the, the anti Jim Kramer index. Um right. I've got to hear from from Reddit. Uh, the inverse Jim Cramer. It's yeah. such a creepy picture. <laughs> uh, let's see what we got here. <laughs> I guess this is the change as of, uh, must have been a few days ago or something like that. <laughs> this is the ones you recommended in 2021 and how brutal it's been. I see a lot of repeat names on here. Anyways, I think Jim Cramer is like the embodiment of like general market sentiment. So as things go down, he wants to sell. And as things go up, he wants to buy. Um, so I think he's a, he's probably a pretty good signal of like what the average investor probably thinks. Um, 
at, at that given time. It's it's always late. It's always late to the to to the party. It seems. Um, what comes to my somebody, mind is I, I I respect Jim Cramer. I, I like what he does. Um, but you guys are all in this business to some extent. Um, the content business about investing. It's like a totally different uh, muscle and personality than actual hardcore investing to beat the market. I experienced that myself a little bit to the small extent that I have my podcast and all that. Um, but the thing with content I was thinking about today, you you have to have people like you. And I, I saw the <laughs> comments when I was talking bad about Facebook and everyone's got Facebook in their portfolio. No one wants to hear it. So there's like, a, I don't know how you can beat the market and kind of crush it as a career in um, content about investing at the same time. It seems like you, to me, it seems like you have to make a choice. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that is, if you keep talking about the same companies, you drill those ideas into your head and putting out content is kind of the inverse of being, I'd say a, a better investor. I mean, please, that's, that's my, cause you want, you want to do things that are popular because popular gets views and popular may not necessarily mean the right yeah. investments or it, usually it, it's it, the opposite. Scotty asked Absolutely. a question, basically yeah. what we're talking about now earlier. I wanted to get to it. Um, so I guess we'll do this before we hop into a couple more stocks, but just basically does running an investor YouTube channel, make it difficult to sit on your hands and wait, or would you rather, <laughs> or, or do you, does it struggle? Um, does it create a struggle with FOMO and I guess hype and the, the di- desire to stay likable as you're saying, uh, Jason, um, it, it can be difficult. There's definitely a well, bias Brad, to it. Brad doesn't swing often, and he's the most successful YouTuber on this uh, chat here tonight. So, Brad, how do you how how do you do true. it? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's true. Um, well, more and more, I try to make content that's not about particular stocks. It's more about you know what am I learning? You know from from this investor's letter to shareholders. You know all these different rabbit holes I go down. So I think that's part of it. Um, and speaking to what you guys were talking about before, how, you know, you really have to put out what's popular to, to grow. You know, I think there, there's a fairly large base of investors on YouTube that are kind of contrarian value investors. And so you don't necessarily need to speak to the masses to do well, mm-hmm. right? There's, They're not crushing it though. In my opinion, well, the ones that are crushing it on YouTube are the ones with stupid content. Well, that's true. Give it yeah. time. I don't <laughs> say stupid. I wouldn't call them stupid, but right. I mean, yeah. Like that's <laughs> when I see a successful YouTuber and I'm talking over hundred K subs and they're talking about investing. Look at their thumbnails, look I at mean, their what their videos are yeah, about. But to them, but to them they are value investing from their perspective. Everyone's a value investor, technically. <laughs> By the broadest definition. Well, that's I mean, what I'm saying. Got, I don't. I don't think. I don't think a lot of the financial channels or whatever, uh, who have hundreds of thousands of subscri- subscribers. When I see some of those guys, I, I don't think of investors. I think about YouTube technicians and content creators, and yeah. they just happen to be talking about investing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, everything money investing with Sven, they have over a hundred thousand subscribers. Yeah, and they're and they're think, firmly they, in the they value. They put out quality camp. content. Yeah. Not not so, talking about them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but but indeed, it's it's a, like, the, the top like, the, the the top like point one percent for sure definitely have a lot more hype involved. Whether it's intentional or not, it, it's definitely there's a little bit more uh, yeah YouTube engineering going on than uh, pure 
just investment getting into the weeds and, and talking about pure wisdom, um, at least from our perspective. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In 2021, all you had to do was talk about Alibaba and you could have probably been very successful on YouTube if every True. one of your videos was about that. And, and value investing is just, it's inherent, at least our version, the kind of Warren Buffett style, um, it's inherently contrarian. You're saying that the market is wrong about something. Um, and it's less so riding a hype wave and it's more so saying the market is mispricing this thing. I'm going for it now. Um, so and that's, that's different than a lot of people's approach. A lot of people will either buy something completely blindly and they don't care about like whatever's going on with the company or they will, uh, or they'll, or they'll take more passive index pro- approach and they think that you can't beat the market. Um, and there's certainly logic to, to, to that as well. Um, but the, the, this value camp, it's it's contrarian. So it makes sense that the, the population would be comparatively small, even though it's still a large camp um, compared to some of the larger groups out there. Yeah, I think Lee Lu was talking about this. He was saying something like 3% of investors are actually value investors. Like they're trying to figure out what something is worth before mm-hmm. they buy it. So, yeah. you know, 3% of, of the huge investing universe on YouTube is still pretty big. Uh, but it's not as big as what uh, these really big channels are catering to. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That's a good question, Scotty. Thank Should you. we give a shout out to some value channels that we like? Sure. Yeah. Mentions? yeah uh, Brad, you had mentioned everything money, Sven, uh, Sven Carlin, both great. Um, I learned how to invest from investing with Tom. Yeah. He was, a, he was, he was on my, he was my initial foray into like proper value investing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, Hamish, I appreciate Hamish. Yeah. Hamish Hodder. Uh, you know, honestly, I don't watch a lot of content on YouTube other than like interviews or Q and A's with like well-known kind of. I like Monish's investors. YouTube channel. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> no, but I'm serious. Like if you think of him as a YouTuber to that extent, cause he's got, I don't know, 50,000 subs or 60. I mean, the content that he puts out, it's amazing. Um, what I love about him, I mean, he's not a YouTuber because he's not creating the content for YouTube. He's just recording his Q&As with, with students, right? That's really what those sessions are about. But he's, he sees the leverage there to also put that on YouTube. You know why he sees it, Brad? Why is that? Because Buffett saw it. I think it's a Buffett clone, the <laughs> university lectures. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He liked got, what he liked my tweet today, Brad. Monish did. Is that right? You're moving up yeah, in the he, world, Jason. <laughs> yeah, he 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 posted uh he posted a picture of him in, in Turkey and he said uh beautiful scenes or something like that. And I said, I also hear that they have uh beautiful something something uh warehouses in Turkey. <laughs> and he and he well liked it or well played. It. Well yeah. played. Very oh, good. So that explains the shirt. You're meeting him after the card. <laughs> yeah. That's the monogram shirt. That's why he shaved up a little bit too. <laughs> yeah, I wish, I wish. Well, we're talking about uh, value channels. Um, what I came across recently is Cameron Stewart. Uh, he's got about 40,000 subs. And, and I've, he's done a, uh, he does a lot of like discounted cash flow type analyses of, of companies. And, and, and from what I've seen, that's quite good. Um, so they're, they're definitely out there. Oh, There's sorry. Some... I said everything money. I meant new money. Both actually. No, 
I meant new money. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would definitely put every, everything money is, they, I mean, they talk about trading and stuff a good amount too, but uh-huh. a lot of it is really just high level kind of value style looking at the what is everything the eight pillars. That's what it should be called. Not everything. Yeah, money. true. It's like their it's, eight let's... pillar structure and, and, it, and, it, and it makes <laughs> it's sense. It's, it, it mirrors a lot of like what a, like a magic formula might look like. Um, and, it, and it's a lot of the same principles. So, but they put we, out they put out some good content. We've got a few upvotes um, for Cameron Stewart here as well in the chat. Yeah. yeah, I came across him pretty recently, and I don't know why I've missed him for so long. But he's got some really good stuff. From uh, Amid, Amid mentioned Phil Town. There's, you know, I got to be honest, Phil Town. It's a little bit light on substance to me. Um, I mean, I, I appreciate Phil Town. I've, I've enjoyed <laughs> his books in the past. But the YouTube really just seems like a promotion piece for getting people into his courses, which bothers me a little bit, but it is what it is. Are we talking about Meet Kevin or wait, who are we talking about? Uh, you Mr. can you can plug <laughs> Meet Kevin if you'd like. No, I, hey, I he's, sold. Saga, he's sold. Like he's, 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 he's a cash he's guy now. Meet Kevin sold. <laughs> yeah, he's oh, out. Yeah. He's out of the markets. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, any other channels? I come across Stock Stockado. Someone mentioned it. It's Sagar's channel. Sagar, he had a channel before. He's been on Tom's podcast. Oh also. yeah. Oh yeah. Is um, he still doing videos? I haven't seen him in a while. No, that's what he closed it. Then he started a new channel called I see. Stockado. Okay. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people know about his channel. It's at like two thousand subs or so. Uh-huh. It's it's so frustrating when like you find a really good channel, you forget to subscribe to it, and then, and then it, it just, just disappears. <laughs> like you just can't, you have no idea where it went, um, and you forget about it because it doesn't pop up in your recommended. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a one frustrating thing about small smaller YouTube channels, and then it's 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 refreshing when they come back like a few months later and they got a f- many more thousands of subs, and it's like oh cool, I was there, I swear early on. <laughs> so, stockadoo. Stockadoo, yeah, that's Sagar's. Oh, and Andrew Brown, another one. Um, pretty much anyone in uh, uh, that that was in um, the margin of safety team. Uh, <laughs> some mm-hmm. some some are included in this stream, <laughs> mm-hmm. but a yeah. uh, lot, lot of good lot of good channels there too. Do you watch anything, Jason, on YouTube, or, or are you just a creator? Uh, yeah, I love YouTube. I watch a lot of stuff as far as investing goes. Um, I'm a fanboy here. I mean, you guys are my guys. Uh, look, look at my subscriptions on my uh, on my YouTube channel. Um, I don't really find the the content that compelling on on other channels, and I really like what all of you guys do. So, CJ, I'm a big like, fan. Too. The, the other day, you put out a video, and uh, it was like the intro was like, "Good morning." And I, I like that. It made me laugh. Do you remember that? <laughs> thank, thank you. That was that your was key takeaway. Yeah. No, it wasn't the, wasn't the key takeaway, but it was it was funny. It was a nice way to start a weekend day or whatever. I pull it up. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> thank you, Jason. Karan, so I mean, if we're going to critique your channels live to your guys' face, Karan, I need some more content. I'll put it Is that way. Is that what we're doing? I didn't realize we were doing that. I'm, I'm just going to put out one video a month and... That's it. Just, just the update video, Karan? Just the update video. I like it. I like I've it. completely like scaled it. it down. Like, less social media. Does it feel good? More more research, yeah. As long as it feels good, that's what matters. Yeah. 
Shall we uh, tackle a couple more stocks before we wrap it up here? Um, Can I bring up Amazon, Jack? Oh, sure. That that, that one popped after falling a bit, so a little misleading, but definitely up big. Yeah. Um, Something stood out. um, So I'm I'm on CNBC, and it says that the AWS, the Amazon Web Services, the cloud business generated, I'm rounding up here, $18 billion in revenue. That works out to a 39.5% year-over-year increase. Mm-hmm. Um, and the unit ended the quarter with $5.29 billion in operating income. So I don't know if that – I guess that margin is somewhere like 27 to 30% or something like that. Um, that had me thinking about Alibaba because the way that yep. Frank um, always talks about Alibaba, and uh, I've learned from him in this, is that uh, if – they continue to hold their 40% share in the cloud market and the cloud market grows at X percent. It, it's going to be worth a lot of money. And if it, the multiple on the sales is the same as uh, here in the, the U S or other big web uh, cloud companies, it's going to be worth it more than the current market cap. So um, have me thinking about that. I think uh, I guess CJ, I'd, I'd like to ask you this, uh, because you probably have some experience with these companies, this whole cloud thing, um, like Amazon Web Services, is it just like as strong as it seems to someone who doesn't really know much about it? Is it really like actually the backbone of the internet? And like, how important is this cloud stuff? Uh, it's supremely important. Um, the cloud what would we be doing without them? Like, what happened before? Uh, on-premises <laughs> servers so yeah you just have big stack of, of computer servers where you store all your data mm-hmm. um, obviously there are a lot of problems with that a lot of bottlenecks with that a lot of bottlenecks yep. a lot of expenses a lot of, a lot of yeah yep slower <laughs> less less I'm capacity so, something Possibly that's uh, changed as well change for me and i'd be curious if you guys feel the same way but uh, when i first heard about the cloud as someone who's not really in that space I, I thought, okay, this sounds like storage, and where's the, where's the moat? Like anyone can just start another unit of storage. But the more I've read about it, the more I've learned how technical it is and how many how much costs are involved. And like yep. the other day I was reading about how the mega companies like Google and uh, I think Apple and um, I think Amazon, they pay for like underwater cables to go across oceans so they can keep their uptime going and it's like how are you ever going to compete with one of these companies once they're off to the races as a cloud provider so it It, seems to be like a space i want to get into if i can it's surprisingly complex what maybe not surprisingly once you see it um i'm actually working on my first data center lease for for my job (laughs) as as a lawyer um so it's weird because you you actually need some decent technical know-how like and actually reading through these leases is that there's so many different um, like you there's they have a unique set of utility requirements the and it's just kind of its own thing compared to the rest of real estate so it's it's a niche for sure um, and yeah I, I it's not it's not particularly easy to break into from my limited experience working on it um, because of how complex it can get so that that's like from the legal do you guys, side. Do you say. guys have any thoughts on IBM? Does that come across your radar at all? Never for anything positive. <laughs> well, I'm seeing seeing trends there. They they have a new CEO. 
Um, he came in uh, and he sold off a, an older business line. And they're, they're, one thing I like about them is that they're talking about the hybrid cloud where companies can kind of like use cloud companies to store their data with the cloud, but then also do, I don't know if it's on-premise or be able to move it around or own your data. Um, and that from a business perspective seems more attractive to me than just giving all your or relying on one big company for everything. Um, and so they're kind of on my radar as like maybe a company that's not priced that expensively that might be growing in, in the upcoming years that, to the extent that would surprise people. Jason, you know, I've never mentioned it, but I used to work at IBM at one point. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I Never go back? <laughs> yeah, no, no way in hell. Like I would <laughs> short the shit out of that store. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Pulled something yeah, out of Quran here. Yeah. Quran, no, is there yeah. any chance you, you worked for the company the the business that got spun off? I can't even remember the name, it's some weird name, but I, I was there like five years ago. So um mm. Big Blue, like back then spin-off wasn't a thing. So even yeah. the CEO was different at that point. So yeah, it's I think it's a company with more issues behind the scenes that I think a lot of people realize. And so, so what do you guys think about like a company like Amazon when it puts out impressive numbers like this with their growing cloud business? Is it like where you guys are like, oh yeah, I might buy it that I might buy, I'm going to look into them more. Or do you guys kind of have the perspective like, yeah, I'm, I'm going for 10 baggers. I missed Amazon. I'm never going to own it. So I don't think about it that much, how do, which is more where I'm at, but I don't know if that's correct. So how do you guys look at these huge successful companies? I would never say I'd never would own it. I would like to own it, but you know, as with everything, it's got to be for the right price. Um, I don't, I don't know how much more you could squeeze out of it, even if they keep growing at a pretty good clip. Um, so I'd, I'd, I'd want it to come down. I did an analysis, a very basic analysis on Amazon recently. Um, and I think they need some pretty huge growth, even from where they're at now to make the valuation make sense for me. Um, so I'd rather wait to where they don't need to hit those mammoth growth numbers um, and then still be okay because it's definitely a fantastic business and they just continue to keep pl- plugging along. Um, but but they're, they're priced for some great things for sure. So if they don't hit those great things, which they might, but if they don't, they're, they're in trouble from a stock perspective. The business will do fine. <laughs> Brad, have you ever been tempted to buy Amazon? Have you ever gotten close or is it just always a pass? Yeah, it's it's always been a pass. Do you remember one time Monish said something to the effect of like, maybe it's a big mistake that he's passing on Amazon? I remember him saying something like that. I recently. think he even said it's Amazon, probably right? a mistake. <laughs> yeah. But he was buying say, Amazon in 2001, right? Oh, uh, yeah. He, he did own it at wow. one time. Like $14, $15 a share or something. Yeah, yeah. and he got like a double or something and got out yeah yeah bruce here says that bruce's comment is amazon is like costco and that it breaks even on goods and has and has our mind um so like you're interacting with it frequently with a low margin business profits are really in the ad business and then cloud with aws i think like a something like a third of their profits come from aws even though it's a fraction of the revenue um they should they should spin it out and get i, on I could it. i could see that happening no way. 
Why? Why? Why not? Why would they give up the growth engine? Like, well, you could raise a lot of money from it, <laughs> and, and potentially tap into some more valuation. shareholder value. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't know why I have to be the bear tonight, but I don't like Amazon's e-commerce. It's low. Yeah, it's it 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 strikes me. Uh, I, I don't know. Costco is the right the, comp, but it it's a lot like Alibaba, but in a more mature state. You see this right here? You guys yeah. see this? This Energizer USB backup. Okay. The other night around 8 p.m., I went to Amazon and I want to order these. And you know what I did? I went and looked at the reviews. Every single product I looked at, the top review was like one star and said, do not buy this. And I struggle because of these reviews. I don't know what to buy. And so then I went to Best Buy. I'm, I'm dead serious. A Best Buy, uh-huh. a brand I could trust. I could trust. I know that if I buy something that they validate, it's it's legit. So I buy it. And you know what happens? It comes to my house the next morning at 11 a.m. for no extra fee. And so my point is, I think these companies like Target, Best Buy, Mm. they've caught up and or catching up. These companies like Target and Best Buy, they've caught up and are catching up to e-commerce and they know how to do e-commerce now. And they also have that brand trust, which I don't have uh, with Amazon. So as a shareholder, if I was a shareholder, I'd be like, you know, let's just dump it. Let's do AWS to the moon and and spin it off. But of course, they're not going to do that. But moats, I think people are underestimating or overestimating uh, their ability to look at moats, and people are kind of lazy about moats. I think it, it's I a race it. to the bo- it's a race to the bottom. Though it's one of those like low cost moats in that if they can get their shipping empire at such a level that it's just impossible for anyone but the huge, the biggest giantest giantest players to compete with, you know, one day or eventually who knows, same day shipping sort of thing. Um, yeah. But with people like, uh, with people like shipped and the other um, app companies, anybody mm-hmm. with real estate kind of becomes same day shipping. Um, but you don't get the same economies of scale with something like that. Uh, when you own all of your warehouses across the country, multiple in a town, it's it you have so much more efficiency. Because Amazon runs yeah. an efficient operation for sure, even with the uh, the huge amounts of returns they take in. Which that, in that sense, it's kind of like the Costco model, where they just take returns, no question asked, pretty much. Uh, it's similar in that sense. I wonder if they'll keep doing that long term. If I was to buy them, I'd be asking myself, can we do AWS again? Can we? Mm-hmm. pull a rabbit out of the hat mm-hmm. one more time and that goes back to this private equity thing like i have no idea so you know so pass sure i think at current valuations it's a pretty fair take they, they need some serious growth and then who knows where that's really coming from and maybe it's from the existing business but you you need to really kick it into or keep it in the crazy high gear they've had it at for a while now you know, Bruce's comment makes me think of uh, Nick Sleep because Amazon, Costco, Berkshire. He's probably like kicking all our asses like when it comes to performance. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's hard. And it's hard the, the hard part is finding the Amazons 15 years ago <laughs> where you're like, yes, I know where they're going to be 15 years from now. In hindsight, it's easy to say, but man, it's... Maybe, maybe it would have been easy. I don't know. I wasn't well, looking maybe, at the time. <laughs> maybe 15 years from now, we'll be saying, well, we should have just bought Amazon. That would, that would be something. Um, what, when uh, it's like a $10 trillion company? Yeah, right. <laughs> when, 
Exactly. <laughs> it's going to replace uh, all the logistics infrastructure in the United States. They're going to have a in the world own a railroad. They're going to own on Mars every yeah. trucking route. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And drone. Two, two months shipping to Mars. You guys, <laughs> I got to tell you something. I just bought. I got a new iPhone because you know I'm an Apple fan, mm-hmm. and Verizon shipped it, and it is such a cluster. Like they had the wrong address on there. Verizon's I a to, mess. Like, I, I left Verizon. Address. Verizon I, pisses me off. I, I, I left yes. Verizon. Like screw this. this but what sucks. I'm saying is, I wish, <laughs> I wish Verizon could have just hopped onto Amazon's logistics network, and it would have been so much smoother. I think Amazon is going to do very well moving forward. I, I, I'm very happy. That's your best content, Brad. Your, your best content is consumer complaints on video. You've done it before (laughs) on your channel. It got a big reaction in the comments. I forget what it was, but it was, it was something. And you you were just like, how could they be this bad? I don't remember. (laughs) I don't even remember what that was about, but good. I'm glad you guys enjoy it. Speaking of Apple though, uh, that, that's a moat, by the way. That's a real moat. They had they had some stellar earnings again. Of course <laughs> constantly they did. every quarter is just like how how much better could they get? And they just keep getting Num- number one number one phone in China. Wow. Back back nice. to being number one. Yeah. Is that right? That's yeah. surprising. They're, they're, yeah, they've got the number one market share in China. There was this other company in China that was coming up on their heels with what some people thought was better technology for a cheaper price. And then they got sanctioned uh, by the United States of America. And uh, that company is not able to uh, make as good phones anymore. Huawei, right? I think so, yeah. (laughs) Trailing 12 months revenue of almost $400 billion. Crazy. (laughs) Just like mind-boggling numbers. And they just keep getting higher. Because that's a moat. That's a real moat. Right. And if it was, I think they have like 90 billion or something in free cash flow last year. Yeah. Or 100 billion. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> just, just continue to march forward. You guys kind of goes back to the. Go ahead. Sorry, I was going to go back to Bruce's earlier comment about the mind share. I think Apple has such an entrenched uh, position in that respect that mm-hmm. that type of emotional moat is pretty hard to dig out. Uh, and physical. Tim Apple is doing a good job. Yeah. <laughs> I've avoided it to this point. I'm still an Android man. <laughs> <laughs> I have a Google, uh, I have the uh, a Google Pixel phone. Um, oh, with, oh uh, you're which the one? one? With Google. I actually have Google. Oh. I, I, this is the Google, the Pixel Google 4a. Pixel. Uh, um, I, had the, I had the OG Pixel 1 a while ago, but I, I got rid of it. Um, and I've had this one for like a year now. Uh, and it's great. I just um, got the Pixel 6. They're good phones. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're great phones. Yeah. They, I think this is, they bought HTC a while back for anyone who cares about Android history. <laughs> they bought HTC, Google did, um, and then basically rebranded HTC into the, the Pixel line. Um, so, and, and the Nexus like 6 was a great phone also. Mm-hmm. The one they had um, before yeah. the Pixel line. Yeah. Anyways, uh, how about one more? So I'm guessing everyone else has iPhones here. CJ, iPhone. Oh yeah. Android. You, you don't want to see the collection of uh, Apple products I have. <laughs> <So>. CJ, <laughs> CJ, um, I just traded in a bunch of 
uh, Apple products, old phones and laptops and all that back to Apple through their online trading thing. Mm-hmm. I had, this is like uh, mm-hmm. book value, guys. This is uh, balance sheets. I had $2,000 of value sitting in my office of Apple products, like super old products that they were they paid me for and they gave me Apple gift cards for. I turned it into $2,000. Wow. So, wow. so check, check their trading, CJ, if you're not using some of that stuff. What a return. Yeah. I have, I'm have. i awaiting a return box, actually. So Nice. Yeah. I'm an Apple fanboy. So. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like when, once you're in the ecosystem, there's no escape. And it it's is just, sticky. Yeah. It's very sticky. Yeah. And, and you don't want to st- escape. You want to go deeper. That's the right. beautiful Absolutely thing about not. it. It's not, it's not a prison. It's a, it's a, Wonderland. <laughs> what you, what you really want is to be a, a shareholder. That's what you really want. Right. Uh, one it, more, Jack. What do you see here? I see a good um, question about what are you reading from Jesse? Yeah, I like that one. Uh, why don't we? Why don't we? Well, can we table that? Let's get one more stock because I, I, I want to make sure we hit all the ones in the title. Because <laughs> that would oh, be. Oh uh, right. What did you put up there? Um, did I mention Spotify? No. 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 Nope. So I, at PayPal, Amazon, Facebook. We have to thank you when talking about Spotify. He's been like a Spotify fan. Yeah, he, he's he's in on it. Who's oh, this? Let me... <laughs> Who's, no, I, I didn't. I literally didn't hear you. I did not hear Frank. you. Frank. A little channel okay. called gotcha. that investing with. with um, no, 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 it's I not didn't. called that anymore. Uh, uh, Frank Tabor. Someone I, 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 I did not hear yeah. I did not hear. Right, I'm, I'm not opening hear up the title because I can't see it on, on Streamyard. So let's see, uh, Facebook, Amazon, yeah, Spotify, what? Spotify, PayPal, and more. So we have a brief look at Spotify, maybe, because um, they got they got hammered on earnings too. Spotify's operating income is a hundred million in the last twelve months, according to what I'm looking at online. Operating income, one hundred million, I think, and their market cap is thirty-seven billion. So really, a hundred. I don't know what. What do you do with that? Like, who's buying? How today? do you justify? I get the growth, but like, how much growth? To actually, it's actually double that. It's about two hundred million in in the last year. Um, but yeah, that's okay. But that's crazy. <coughs> um, yeah, the, I mean, the stock hasn't done much since it IPO'd almost four years ago. To be honest. It went on a roller coaster. <laughs> Here, I got the uh, all-time view up right now. So this is back to uh, 2018. 6% and, CAGR. And then a uh, year-to-date down 25% to kick off the year. And down 45% over the last 52 weeks. So it's been a rough ride recently. Do, friend, do you guys subscribe or listen to even listen? Nope. I don't. I'm a, I occasionally uh, listen. Music. Like I'll pull up like uh, if there's a particular episode of like Joe Rogan I want to listen to. It's they it's did pretty much the only time. Get me to download the app for for Joe Rogan, but I'm not a I'm not a paid subscriber. Yeah, same here. I, what I actually do you guys used think to, about those ads. I, I, I use Spotify actually for my. Uh, I used my free trial for my wedding playlist. I, I put together like <laughs> so this was back in 2019. That's the only time I I was like this is actually really nice. So you could pull up basically whatever song you want. So I made like. A, uh, like a dinner and then like the dancing playlist. And uh, it was great. I just gave it to the DJ, let him play it. <laughs> um, but otherwise I have not subscribed since then. 
because YouTube has all the music I could ever want, right? <laughs> YouTube, Apple, Apple Music. Um, so I, I like Value Line, guys. I like Value Line. Um, that's where I go for my information. And I'm just looking on there. It says 2022 cash flow per share, five cents, capital spend <laughs> per share, 75 cents. <laughs> It projects out to like 24 to 26 in a few years, cash flow $1.60. So up a lot, but capital spend of a dollar, that's free cash flow of 60 cents a share. On $174 stock. What's the network effect of a business that uh, has mostly the same content as every other platform that provides the same service? I don't, that's what I'm getting hung up with. Uh, on Spotify versus say Apple music or something. I know they're leaning into like the exclusivity of something like Joe Rogan. That's why they signed him. How's that working out? Sorry. I know it's, (laughs) it's causing some ripples for sure, but I don't know if that's the model they're going for. Probably not because that would get real expensive real fast. Yeah. Basically sign content creators or something. Yeah. We need to read. We need need Frank. (laughs) Frank's the, our representative, our, our uh, represent bull of of Spotify, it seems. Well, I think Tom is a bit bullish on it as well, if I recall. Because they, they definitely have something going in the podcast space in particular, um, right? And, and in and in music as well. They they definitely have a lot less control over that. I would I would say compared to podcasting, um, given that it's really up. They're at, they're at the mercy of all, all the the big music producers, um, as opposed to. Uh, podcasters where they might have more kind of one-to-one individual relationships but yeah it, but i think i think what jason jason's summary the value line summary probably probably says more than i could say yeah that would be a pass for me mm-hmm. i'd love to hear charlie munger's words when he comes across that value <laughs> line. that could be a video for you jack with your uh Funny videos with the uh, bathroom. With your robe. Oh, uh, fireside, fireside finance. (laughs) 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 I need to make. I haven't. I skipped last week. I need to make one this weekend. But no promises. So, so Jack, what? What? uh, What were in the titles here? Uh, Facebook, Amazon. So, if you guys had to buy one company today and hold it forever, uh, which one would you do? I would do at today's prices. I would do. Uh, to say oh, you just boxed yourself Amazon. in, didn't you? You boxed. No, I, I, in. <laughs> I think. I think you go. I think you go Amazon. What do you guys do? I think it's between Amazon and Facebook, but given current valuations, I'd go with Facebook. At least that, that's my my take. You because PayPal would be. I could rank order them. Let's see. We got Facebook, Amazon, PayPal, and, and and. Yeah, Spotify. Probably in that order at today's prices, though. I mean, I really would only care for Facebook at these prices. But that's what just about me. you, Karan? Can we add in process also? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Karan, that's the other 50%. Yeah, if, if I've got half in process, then I can pick any. Like, it doesn't matter. Everything can go to zero. Process will carry the portfolio. <laughs> that's some bullishness right there. I like, I yeah. like hearing that. If I had to fall asleep and never look at my portfolio again, then it, uh, I think the clear choice is Amazon for me. Uh, Facebook yeah. is a situation that I think the price to uh, opportunity slash risk profile is is the best for me right now. 
but I don't think that's a, a buy and close your eyes for the next 10 year type of situation. So that's fair. And then PayPal Ed, and then Spotify. Where do you yeah. buy? Uh, yeah. Current prices. I'd have to really take a close look between Amazon and PayPal. Cause I'm you know, tempted on PayPal but, too. Yeah. I like PayPal. Seems like a little money machine. Right. You're paying for it. <laughs> You're surely paying high value. Yeah. An expensive like money machine. But indeed, it is a money machine. Yeah. All right. Any any last thoughts about the question about books, right? Uh, who, where was that? Give me a timestamp and I'll pull it up. 1050, 10, 10, 10, 10. It was Jesse's question, right? Yeah. Yeah, there he is. Yeah. Our man, hey, Jesse. We should give Jesse a shout out. I don't know why he is like still under 1,000 subscribers. Like, he needs, is he? yeah, he's still under a thousand. Yeah, everyone, please go, please go check out Jesse. He, he has some good content. Good, honest man. <laughs> Jesse's gonna, he's gonna ride that Lee Lu wave into the sunset and be over a thousand in no time. Yeah. Anyways, so to to Jesse's question, what what are we reading? I've, what are you guys uh, reading? I don't have it on my desk. I have it downstairs, but uh, Guns, Germs, and Steel. I'm like halfway All right. through. Yeah. I'm halfway through that. Um, yeah. What's the takeaway so far, Jack? Why do people talk about that book so much? I have I've never read it. Well, it's kind of what it's one of the more like momentous macro history sort of books. Um, and, and the general question to the title is trying to figure out why, when like the Europeans came over and colonized the New World and decimated the population essentially with guns, germs, and steels, what led up to the Europeans being the ones with guns, germs, and steel versus the the, Ameri- the Native Americans. Why didn't why what caused that divergence to happen? And he looks at a bunch of different uh, factors, and it, it's pretty interesting. Uh, uh, from it's a very broad, long term history, um, and I'm into history, so I enjoy it. And a good a good nice. amount on like human nature as well, too. Um, it, it only covers about eleven thousand years of human history. So I, I yeah, since civilization, basically, um, <laughs> it it does a very quick overview of pre pre civilization history. Um, just just to give some context, but yes, indeed, it's almost entirely post civilization. It's also the first book on Lee Lu's recommended reading list. So. I've been wanting to read it for as a history major. Like it seems like it'd be required reading, but I never, I never got around to it. So yeah, I'm, I'm finally doing it now. It's well worthwhile. Well, who yeah. else is reading something? I'm reading this book called free capital, which Ooh. is basically about free money. 12, yeah. You read this book <laughs> in the, yeah, but it's about these 12 private investors based in the, they're all based in the UK. Um, this is from a while back actually. Um, but it's basically how they all became financially independent to the point where they, they became private investors and just managed their own money. So it's the different, um, their backstories, their strategies, what got them there, what they do on a day-to-day basis. It's kind of interesting. Just see what a, a real successful investor looks like behind the scenes. Kind of cool. So, so far so good. Yeah. There are a few, I mean, not all of them are uh, Warren Buffett style type investors. You know, there's some profiles of a day trader, for instance, but it's, it's all interesting. So sure. Being yeah. a day trader is like a job is seems stressful. Uh, yeah. stressful. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. It's probably not for any of us. It's about reading the markets, Karan. That's how we do it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we, <you know. laughs> 
You have to draw lots of lines on the chart, and then it'll work. Gut feel. Karan, what are you reading? I actually listened to a podcast recently. It was um, the Business Breakdowns podcast about Twitter. It was a good episode. I mean, cop out, I sold out of Twitter, but, but still like... Cop out podcast. Not not reading, he's podcasting. <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't been reading much. Been busy with stuff, so... Yeah. I was kind of just listening to podcasts on the drive. So. That podcast is amazing. They have so many good episodes. Yes. The ones on Pinduoduo and Alibaba are really good, I found. I, I liked the one there. on um, Cardlytics when I was looking into that. Brad, Jason? I don't uh, want to follow. I, just... I don't want to follow Brad, so I'm going to go first. Oh, I'm good idea. Have, yeah. You're going to have an amazing, already. an amazing book. Uh, but I'm reading the contrarian, contrarian Peter Thiel and Silicon Valley's Pursuit of oh, Power. Nice. It's the biography of Peter Thiel, okay. and uh, on brand with our PayPal discussion. Uh, it came out like in the last few few months. Um, oh, nice! Very new, yeah. Um, fantastic book, super interesting, interesting story. And uh, my one takeaway from uh, kind of looking at what he's done with his career is, I really like the way he's. Um, played everything in his life, uh, social stuff he's done, investing, communication when he does interviews, at least according to this biographer, he paints a narrative of this guy moving the ball forward towards his goals with everything he does in life. Like uh, everything is kind of leading towards the same goals and he's always on message and he may be talking about one thing in an interview, but it's, it's, talking about that way could help a business that he's in and um, building a social network to, to help his businesses and his goals and, and work in politics and all that. So uh, that, that was my big takeaway that I had learned from studying Peter Thiel. Good deal. Brad. Uh, well, I think the most recent thing I read was the bow post 2021 letter. Um. No, no follow-up questions about that. And uh, Chuck Acre, uh podcast, which Pabri just recommended. I also watched his Google Talk. Those are both fantastic. I guess we got a new definition of reading in 2022. <laughs> I read to with my ears. So I, we got always... four four Americans here tonight, Jack. Four Americans. Yes, Maybe we got five. Front row seat. George W. Bush. Picture book, guys. <laughs> what? Wow. <laughs> Came what? in today. Why? Came in today. Uh, why is because I love this country and I, I love the presidency. Okay. And uh, I, I just have that. always had a fascination with the presidency, with the White House, with Marine One, with Air Force One. And so I got um, a the apparently the photographer for uh, the president who's ever in office kind of usually puts out a book. So I got one on Bush, Obama, um, and Trump, and they've come in from Amazon. I'm, just, I'm so. replaying how you how you presented that. going with this? Like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh man, you know, it's yeah. funny. It's a picture book. Like, I mean, it kind of seems so apt. <laughs> <laughs> Where else well, we know how Karan like feels about it, I guess. Oh, I, I love this, Jason. Jason, yeah. 
You're, you're one of a kind. <laughs> Quran, do you in, want me to send this to you when I'm done? So you can study sure. our, then our I've actually got my copy on the way. Like I ordered it. <laughs> okay, good. But I think yeah. Verizon kind of like yeah. is handling the shipping. So yeah, W. w. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is a great spot to wrap up. Um, man, right. the chat was lively today, but we're already at an hour and a half, and I want to get to bed. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you two do. You two, uh, Jason and CJ, we're all central time. Um, and th- this has been great. This has been like a crazy week like we were saying and lots of good stuff to talk about plenty more we could have talked about so thanks for sticking with us regardless um if you guys like this sort of content and you're not already subscribed please do we put out a new video every single week around this time um 9 30 p.m central time for for us u.s folks wherever that is everywhere else in the world with our very worldwide audience um yeah, I got nothing else. Smash the like button. Check out the stuff in the description below. We got a Discord down there too. Um, yeah. Till next time, everyone. Hey, CJ. CJ, don't leave me. It was you and me. Everyone else goes down to you and me. <laughs>